Welcome back to another episode of the Amazon Private Label Show podcast, hosted as always by the FBA University founders. Today, we are going to talk about how our product research techniques have changed since you know 2019, 2020, when we, we started out till uh, you know mid to late 2023. So, my man, we are both looking at other people's products and our own brands really pretty much every day in terms of why don't we start with with old product research techniques that uh you no longer use are there things that you used to use that you've you've just basically determined all right this isn't efficient or there you know it doesn't work as well as others why don't we start there yeah, definitely. So something that I used to do, well, there's a bunch, right? So 2019 to now is a completely different landscape. It feels like a different part of my life. <laughs> I'm sure it does for most people, right? We've, we've been through a lot, we've been through the pandemic, so a lot's changed. But specifically on Amazon, my product research techniques and, and how I look at things now and how I select products has drastically changed. So if, I, if I'm bringing it all the way back, in 2019, you're talking like the very beginning of when I started this kind of private label thing. I was still doing arbitrage. You know, my mind was all over the place. But I relied heavily on outside sources, particularly if we're looking at Helium 10, I relied heavily on the black box tool within Helium 10. And one of the biggest problems about using the black box tool, and you guys might have heard me talk about this, or if you follow me on TikTok, you would have heard it on there, um, is the fact that there's millions of other Helium 10 users who are also using black box. So your chances of finding a good product that isn't saturated is almost second to none. And even if you do find something which is interesting or looks good for now, what you're going to find is that all, all of a sudden, a lot of people are going to cotton onto that product. So where that product was an opportunity, now it's just going to be completely saturated. So <clears throat> you're setting yourself up for failure if you're only using black box for product research. And at that point in my life, 2019, I was solely using black box. I wasn't really aware of any other product research techniques. I, I, I didn't have anything else. That was pretty much my go-to. I literally would spend hours every day trawling through black box, looking at like the keyword black box element, looking into niches, and obviously looking into the categories on black box as well. So that was definitely something that I've switched up. And then if we take it a little bit further, so nowadays my main two methods of finding products on Amazon are number one, using a broad search term, narrowing down, looking for specific keywords and going that way. And number two, using the category tree. So shopping by department, going deep diving into a department and then going right to the bottom of the funnel and then starting my search. Both of those methods I still use to this day. I'm launching a bunch of products based on that I'm finding. So it, those, those work really well in 2023. But what has changed as well is the way in which I look at different metrics now on uh, products. So you guys know this already if you're a regular listener, but I, I've rely heavily now on looking at the cost per click of products. And, you know, back in the days, Helium 10 didn't have the cost per click baked into Cerebro. So you had to actually create dummy campaigns, like load up an FBM listing, create a dummy campaign just to see what the cost per click was against each of these keywords. But my criteria has got a lot more stricter as I go on because now I'm really looking for products that for me would be home runs. So whereas before I might've been okay with like a cost per click of like $1.50. Now I like to launch products which have a cost per click of under a dollar. So one of the latest products I launched in the States, it has a cost per click on average of about 60 cents. So with the reason I like that and the reason I like products that fit that criteria is because you're going to be way more profitable straight out the gate. 
you know, if I have a lower cost per click compared to someone else and we're getting around the same amount of clicks on a daily basis, I'm spending less than they are on ads. And therefore, my profit margins are going to be stronger if we're both starting at the same point. So I'm a big advocate for cost per click. And then the other thing I've also become a lot more in tune with is the quality of the search terms in my product. So the keywords that are associated with my product before, you know, I might have been a little bit slack. I might have let some kind of broader terms slip through the net and then include those in my cumulative keyword search volume count. But now what I tend to do is I go super, 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 super in-depth with my keywords. If I can't find specific keywords that when I search them in Amazon, I see about 75 to 80% of the products that come up to be my product, I just won't include that in my keyword count. And something I like to do is to get at least 15 highly relevant keywords and to see about 50,000 search volume from those 15 keywords cumulatively. So those now for me are like non-negotiables. Whereas in the beginning, when I first started out in this game, I wasn't even looking at things that, that, that like that that closely. I remember even one of the um, one of the tests I did on a product was just if there, the average reviews were like under a thousand, I'd go for it. Whereas now, you know, I want to see at least three products that have average reviews of under two fifty that are doing ten k a month in revenue. So things are all over the place, and things have definitely changed. And if I look at the product selection um, criteria I have now, it definitely yields higher returns and has given me better results than. 2019, I remember my first product 2019 absolutely bombed my first one. So yeah, definitely learned a lot from that. It was a, a big shock, but definitely learned a lot from that. But yeah, definitely tightening up on that criteria has helped me see better results. <laughs> and yeah, things change, you know, Amazon's yeah. a movie, ain't going to say the same. No, no, no. Yeah, and Black Box, <clears throat> it's not to be just forgotten about because those products that you find there, there's still opportunity for for those to be amazing products if the keyword yeah. demands there it's just that a lot a lot more of the time the top product results there are ones that they just aren't that well thought out i guess and, and if they're showing up over and over they fit some criteria within the result pattern that uh would, would usually indicate that market's about to get flooded yeah. <laughs> with yeah. sellers so for me in terms of things I do not use, I, I, I don't use Black Box much anymore, but I really never used it that much, to be honest. But one thing I used to do, and a lot of our students, a lot of, a lot of early sellers use this tactic, is just kind of think about things around the house and try <laughs> to think my way. I'll just speak for myself. Think my way into markets like, oh, you know. I like golf, maybe X, Y, and Z could be deeper down in the golf niche. And more and more, I just realize I'm not as creative as I think. And and you just waste a lot of time uh, doing it that way. So I really stick to Amazon, uh, Amazon lists, Amazon new releases, movers and shakers I love. And more and more now, I go into, especially because you know, main brand is a little more developed. I, I don't want to just be launching in random niches. I look at brands, not just on Amazon, but across the web, uh, who sell one or two similar products to me and what they're launching. Then I I say, okay, they have these products and this product. I want one like one of their products. And I just use a more developed brand in the space to help 
basically lay out the blueprint uh, uh, and really lay out where I should start the search so that, you know, otherwise you cast cast basically a really wide net every single time. And so that that's something I've looked more and more into. And then what else do I use more now? A, a lot of times what I'll do is look at, really look across the web on YouTube at just what are the new products that are being released? Because more and more, I want to be releasing brand new niches, like products in brand new niches and brand new markets, rather than brand new products and markets that have been around over and over. And so I'm really looking uh, outside of Amazon, whether it be TikTok, whether it be YouTube, new tech products, new XYZ products each month. There's like 10 plus creators who just, that's that's their entire brand is like just displaying the new products in a niche. I use that to start and really structure my search. And then very quickly at this point, I'm getting down to the keywords. If the keywords in a particular niche will work, then I'm looking to add two to three three products really immediately into that niche and just test it out. So what I would say is just not a lot's changed. Like the Amazon lists are really my favorite place and that hasn't changed, but I more so look at product launches and markets as, okay, I want to be first and I want to test multiple different listings to find out what works rather than trying, you know, you can get, you can get uh, caught up uh, at step zero a lot, trying to look for the perfect product. So I would just say, Getting to market quickly and getting to market ahead of many others is is more more emphasized in, in my business rather than trying to find the perfect market. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Good, uh, good point there on like looking at what your competitors are doing. Because if I think about the two latest products that I've launched, um, they, they literally have been through raiding my competitors' storefronts or one of my products, and then finding out that they also both sell in these two other categories and then launching products in those categories. So that's a, that's a great way to do things. The other, I just want to add two more things. So the first is, you know, my thinking in the beginning was I had to have like an all singing, all dancing, like sexy product. And my product had to be like absolutely groundbreaking, the most complex thing, like had to have some complex instruction manual and had to be like, you know, the most amazing thing. But something I've realized moving forward and, and throughout my journey on Amazon is for now, a lot of my products are, are not very sexy, right? It's, it's the non-sexy products that do really well. So don't always think and assume that, hey, just because you think a product's going to be saturated and you haven't done the numbers or, you know, you just think, hey, this ain't sexy enough. It's not that complex. Don't rule it out. So some of the products, and especially, you know, this is true for a lot of the products that students send in, that we think immediately looking at them, uh, ain't going to work. But then when you actually run the numbers, you know, look at the keyword search volume, cost per click, the revenues that brings in margins, et cetera, a lot of these products that aren't really deemed as being too sexy are the ones that absolutely crush it. And surprisingly, a lot of them aren't saturated. They have a decent market. So don't rule anything out. Be open to absolutely everything and do the correct analysis. And then the other thing I'd say when when selecting products now that I do is I try and launch with my first product a couple of variations. So in the beginning, I, I'd launch a product or I'd select a product just based on the fact that, hey, I'm going to launch this in uh, black or I'm going to launch this in blue. Now what I try and do to get more market real estate in the beginning, more digital real estate, I try and launch with at least three variations off the bat. That way, 
I normally can split my MOQ down by the number of variations I add in. So say my MOQ is 300. Instead of doing 300 of one color, I might do 100 of three colors. And then the other thing you can do with that is you can test the market way quicker. So in one fell swoop, I can see which one has the most demand. I can see which one sells best. I can see which one people gravitate towards. I can see through Amazon brand analytics, you know, what people are actually searching for on Amazon to get to my product, see if there's a color variation in there that they like, or there's a size variation in there that they like. So, and also it's an easier way to build a, a listing with variations because you can build multiple revenue streams, but from like the same product, as opposed to having to launch new products in new markets, you can build a couple of variations together with one product with the same keyword. So it, it, it's just a lot easier and it helps out. So that's definitely something that I do. But hey guys, listen, if you're listening to this and you're starting your own Amazon FBA private label business and you're not quite there, you don't want to risk thousands of dollars wondering if you're doing it the right way, book a call with us. We run the Accelerator 2.0 program. We're looking to take on students for our August intake. So if you want unlimited one-to-one mentoring and do this the right way, book a call with us. The link's in the description. And as always, we'll see you in the next episode.